2: Black swans. No, this isn't a wildlife sanctuary. You know what we mean. We are the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Republican Senator Ted Cruz says it's clear Democrats have been restricting President Biden's contact with lawmakers, especially GOP senators. And the
3: strange thing is, look, when I was sworn into the Senate, Joe Biden's the one who swore me in. I mean, you know, he spent 40 years in the Senate.
2: Colorado's governor is signing four gun control bills. The new
0: laws are aimed at quelling rising suicides and youth violence and preventing mass shootings. They were enacted just five months after a mass shooting at an LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs. The measures raised the buying age for any gun from 18 to 21, establish a three-day waiting period between the purchase and receipt of a gun, strengthen the state's red flag law, and rolled back some legal protections for the firearm industry. Gun rights groups said immediately they will file legal challenges.
2: I'm Norman Hall. This is SRN News. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to
4: keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
5: Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org.
2: Portions of this program may have been prerecorded.
6: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
2: Is it his time? Yes! A long rest! Where's your hat?
5: Turn all the lights on and kill
7: the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan.
4: Good morning, welcome, King Bangin' Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for being here. I was just telling uh, Spencer uh, before the show, our last day of classes was yesterday. You know, and I'm actually thinking of uh, starting our our graduation ceremonies next Friday. Welcome to winter commencement. Uh, Actually, probably won't be too, too bad. Hopefully you've been able to get out and enjoy some of the weather. There were a couple nice days last week. Looking forward to more soon. Um... It, it's always weird here when uh, we get to the end of the year. Indeed, I didn't share this with Spencer, but uh, there was a there was a moment where I just like ah, that's the university I know. Driving by, uh, driving up onto the campus today, and going through a neighborhood which has a lot of student housing, and there is one larger apartment building. It is not a fraternity, but it is a house that's well known for renting renting to a lot of students uh and um typically this area has place there was a sheet hanging off the second floor balcony um and it read finals fest 429 which of course is today and on the front lawn of this house were barriers that my guess is will be put up at some point to block traffic to allow uh people to to uh be in the in the street um very close I'll, I'll, if you want to if you know the university it's very close to our library where this house is um and so it is um it it is um just kind of a f- one of those fun things and I thought to myself yeah you know that's kind of what the end of the end of the school year should be it should include something called a finals fest and letting our students uh, blow off a little steam before they have to jump into finals and finish out the school year uh, next week. 651-289-4477, recall four, four, seven, seven, with questions and comments. 651-289-4477. <clears throat> four, four, seven, seven. You know, there was a lot of good data that came out this week, and uh, it prepares us, in fact, for two big events that happen in the coming week. So next week is not just graduation here, but it includes um, it includes the FOMC meetings. The Federal Reserve will be meeting, and all expectations are that they will raise rates, uh, 25 basis points. That seems to be baked into everybody's uh, expectation right now. The real question is whether or not they will signal that this is the moment where they want to do a pause, or if they'll say, you know what, we're still data dependent, and there's a real possibility that another 25 basis point rise in June is a live op is a live option for them. How much <clears throat> how much signaling do they want to do? Will Will Chair Powell hedge bets or something? That's that's the one piece of news out there. That's the one piece of news. They'll dominate the middle of next week, and then at the end of next week, of course we get the jobs report that will be that will be our first real look our first I, I would say real look into uh the forecast for uh for the second quarter uh of 2020 uh 2023 and we don't know exactly what that what that result is going to be yet I'm, I'm just looking at some of the data that uh that I always like to read there's a weekly uh there's a weekly document put up by First Trust with uh with just high frequency data. I like I like weekly data. So let me let me review with you just a little bit of that. So we've seen initial jobless claims go up. I'll get to the big data of the week, which is of course the GDP report and then personal income yesterday. Yes, we have to talk about that. Yes, we'll also talk about I mean, I'm on. I'm on like doom scrolling Twitter, looking for looking for the news about First Republic Bank. My guess is that the news, if there's news this weekend, it will not break until Sunday afternoon. Uh, but I'm keeping my eye on it anyway. It is remark. It is remarkable. I think quite remarkable that we haven't seen any information out yet. Um, there's there seems to be somewhat of a. A game of uh, a game of chicken being played uh, between the banks that are have deposits at Central at First Republic have risk at the game, and on the other side, FDIC, who doesn't want to actually put a whole lot more money into rescuing First Republic because they already have a large bill of twenty-two billion dollars to pay for Silicon Valley and Signature Bank if they now add. Billions more in a in in a quote unquote bailout of um, uh, a bailout of uh, depositors at uh, at First Republic in particular uninsured depositors uh, I, you've got an interesting piece there I'll talk more about that maybe not till the second hour but for sure but initial jobless claims up week over week they've ticked up now from, from sort of an average level of 200 they were 230 this last week um staffing requirements are kind of a bit on the slow side so in the month of april th- between mid-march and mid-april uh, the asa staffing uh uh numbers are normally at 100 they're actually now at 97 so it's 97 percent of the average weekly staffing request that you might see for instance in temporary help cert- agencies um Rail car traffic is up again, which is, I think, interesting. Steel production is up. Uh, those data, you know, you can get those data on a weekly basis. That's up month over month through the week of April 24th. Uh, so those data look good. But you're still seeing the, the service sector numbers rise, okay? TSA checkpoint data is, is flat, but... but uh, uh, Box office receipts down slightly month over month. I expect that's largely that's largely because there hasn't been any great movies. I don't I don't know. Spencer, have you been to the theater yet in twenty twenty three?
8: No, not yet.
4: Okay, is there anything you're like? I wanted to see it. I didn't have time.
8: Uh the time is a huge thing, but nothing that sticks out just yet.
4: Yeah, me neither. I just I, I just haven't. Okay, hit us at Twitter using the hashtag poundkbrs. Is there a movie i sh- Is there a movie I should be seeing? Okay, the last movie my wife asked to go see and I didn't go see it because, frankly, I just thought it was going to be awful. Was eighty for Brady? You're welcome to laugh. Spencer thankfully turned his mic off because I'm sure he's laughing right
8: now. Well, I was gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to check that out just to see what it was all about, but I have not got the time around. Yeah,
4: basically for. Four very elderly women who wanted to go go to the Super Bowl to see Tom Brady play. Yep, sorry, not interested. <laughs> okay, I'm beyond uninterested in that. Uh, actively disinterested. But, you know, gas supplies up four up 4% month over month, which I consider a negative indicator. I keep my, you know, we all keep our eye on what's going on with gas prices. I'm, so here's my point. I'm going to talk for the rest of the hour about what happened in the first quarter by looking at the GDP data, by looking at personal income and spending data. Um, I'm going to talk a good bit about what that says. What do we know from those data? Because I think they were portrayed as, if you didn't read too carefully, you'd have thought it was a weak report in GDP. It wasn't. It was actually a pretty robust economy that got suppressed by the way in which we do GDP accounting and we think about how inventories move through the system that's that's the that's a point that I that I want to spend some time making I want to look at the personal income and consumption data and I want to talk about what it says about inflation I'm going to do that for the rest of the hour but just let me linger a couple minutes more on the important point for the most part and I've got I've got you know clips to play from a variety of people who were on the air last over the last 72 hours you're sensing people who saw the first quarter numbers and it's interesting if that first quarter number was a week for gdp at 1.1 percent you would think everyone would be trumpeting the recession is here the recession is arriving etc no such thing is happening Indeed, I'm seeing more people trying to push their recession forecast out into the fall and even the winter of 2023. Because the data for the first three months of 2023 were pretty strong. Um, At the beginning of the at the beginning of the month, we did a presentation up here in St. Cloud talking, looking at the data and we said, you know, we're still sticking with our forecast that there'll be a recession by the middle of 2023. Um, but it didn't start in the first quarter. The first quarter actually looked pretty good. The data reported this week on a national level supports what we were seeing from our survey work and our and and survey work, talking to local businesses, getting some feedback, looking at a little uh, at some slightly different data I just got data for uh, housing permits in the in the st Cloud area they're not super strong but they're certainly no weaker than the beginning of 2022 when we all thought the economy was doing great so I mean first quarter the first quarter building permits data is always a pretty small number but last year for the region around st. Cloud it was 16 permits pulled this year the first three months is fourteen per- permits um excuse me that was actually a number for March um it's 23 versus 22 we're tracking about the same over the first three months um we're not seeing the slow we're not seeing the slowdown yet that we really thought back at the beginning of 23 was going to happen and as I look at the data for April, I'm really not seeing very much here. I'm beginning to see a slight decline in employment, but I'm not seeing too much here. And that's why I think that jobs report this coming Friday is going to be huge. And you're going to want me to right back here next Saturday when we're going to, we're going to be having a job Saturday uh, to talk about that. But the GDP report, better. I, I actually thought it was a really good GDP report. We're going to talk about that next here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440
2: soaking up the sun in fiji walking through the sculpture garden in minneapolis or standing in awe at the grand canyon we're where you are listen to the biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free odyssey app
8: Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare.
3: If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing.
1: Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252.
8: Feel the difference.
2: I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's
4: more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
2: Your traditional water softener wastes water as if you ran a full washer for just a pair of socks. Commerce Wet Technology Softeners will save you water and salt. Save $400 when you trade in your old salt hog to Commerce Water. Go to Commerce.com.
4: Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Biz 1440. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. Let's get right into the data of the GDP report, the personal income and expenditure report. Um, Combined, these reports actually tell us a lot about what's going on in uh, the national economy, but it's a backward-looking piece, right? So this is the period of January to March, so, so very much in the rearview mirror. At this point, the data, though, is, is very important. So if you're a regular listener to the King Bangin Show here on the biz, uh, I'm going to tell you one thing you should, one thing you will know. One thing you will know is that you should always, always uh, pay attention to uh, different data than the top line w- number of 1.1% GDP. The first thing, The first thing I typically do is I'll open up, Open up the actual full report, the PDF. I'll get o- I'll get open table one. I'll work and I'll work down to where it says addenda between lines twenty six and twenty seven. So if you're following along at home, you could just you could stop and go play this on the podcast. TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com is where you find that. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to go look up. I'm going to go look up some lines down deep on table one. What do I want to see? First of all, I want to see final sales of domestic product. That was up 3.4%. Do you recall? Do you recall me telling you last month that the two point, or not last month, last quarter, back in January, again, go to the podcast, go hear what I said then. GDP was up 2.6%. But final sales of domestic product was only up one point one percent. And what I said at the time was, well, what's the what's the difference between these two numbers? Answer inventories. We had a huge build up of we had a large buildup of inventories in in uh, in the fourth quarter of twenty twenty two because December was a pretty nasty month, and we had a lot of stuff that just didn't, that wasn't sold. So if I went and looked at inventories, looked at inventories in the fourth quarter of 22, they added about 1.5% to the number. So that 2.6 was inflated by 1.5% contribution from inventories. If I take the 1.5 away from the 2.6, what do I get? 1.1. Right. So as my first reaction was, the 1.1 was a weak number. Only because we finally saw, was the number, and I said, well, if inventories didn't move very much, that would mean that that final sales number from Q4 carried through to the first quarter. Inventories didn't get replaced. And, you know, our inventories got replaced and are still building and we're stuck. That's, in fact, not what happened. This time, this time, right, if the difference was, let me go back, okay, for those of you following at home, 1.1% is the top line GDP number, final sales is 3.4. So what do you think was the contribution of inventories? The answer is 2.3, the difference between those two numbers. Right, so I go to final sales number, I see 3.4, I look at the top, it says 1.1, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. Okay, then I go down and look for one more thing that I'm interested to see, to see uh, whether or not, whether or not it was moved. So I look at two lines down, I look at final sales to domestic purchasers meaning I'm taking out the impact of inventories, I'm sorry, of of international trade, and I'm taking out the impact of final... uh, uh, Then I can take out even the impact of government, so I can just look at what happened in Q1 in the private domestic market, what happened here in GDP. It's my way... When we talk about a broad... um, if I talk about a broad measure of of a of a theoretical concept in your principles of economics course called aggregate demand and someone said can I measure that with a number? It's like no, you can't. Aggregate demand is a schedule of prices and quantities that people want to buy at, at at various price levels. Okay, which is a little bit little bit of an odd way to think about things, but I think um, uh, um, I think that uh, it's not a bad way to look at look at it by looking at that final sales to private domestic purchasers, which was a zero in the fourth quarter, but now at two point nine percent. What this confirms for me, uh, what this confirms to me, is The likelihood that aggregate that what happened last quarter and what's happening this quarter is largely a timing issue, and the and the underlying economy is somewhere between that three percent growth of this quarter in in domestic final sales, uh, um, private uh, final sales and the zero of the fourth quarter. So we put them together. Where are we? We're at a one5 to 2% economy. That seems to me to make a lot of sense. It fits what I have in my head. So that's one piece of it. The other piece that was in there, you have to then, my next, okay, so I tell you I stopped at one. I stop on page, on, on table one. I look at these data that are down the addenda. I look back up and and actually had my eye on a couple things, but I never know how to put the weights on them. How important is the personal consumption number? How important is it that um, private domestic investment fell by 12.5%? Well, the answer to that is, well, how much is private domestic investment in GDP? What's that contribution? If you ter- turn to the next page, you get that, uh, get that level of those contributions. And here's what you see. Personal consumption expenditures added 2.5% to the GDP total, while domestic investment subtracted 2.4% from it. So they washed each other out. What was contributing to the fact that we were seeing lots of, that we had a fairly robust number in personal consumption expenditures? Indeed, it was the most robust number Going back to the second quarter of twenty twenty one. Well, it turns out turns out the biggest piece of that contribution came from people buying cars. Motor vehicle sales contributed a one point one percent to GDP this quarter. Let me put it another way. If nothing else had changed but we sold the same number of cars or the same the same dollar volume of cars in the first quarter of 2023 as we did in the fourth quarter of 2022, GDP would have reported zero. The top line number that would have been on the news at 7.30 yesterday would have been a zero. Right? That's a, that so that tells me something, right? And I think it tells me that a lot of the goods that we were talking about, a lot of the goods and the services that we were talking about to be sold were being held up over the winter by what I believe to be a combination of weather, higher transportation costs, higher fuel costs, higher costs of of, of, of shipping things. Indeed, but to, you know what? Let's take let's take him now. So we're going to run a little bit past the bottom of the hour, but uh, John's on line one. I think he has something to say that might relate to this. Hey, good morning, John. Welcome to the King Banyan Show.
3: Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, there was a segment on PBS this week, uh, a Thursday evening, where the commentator pointed out that some things have improved, that the cost of these containers being shipped used from Japan and China has actually dropped to levels where they were in 2019 and that even the price of eggs were starting to drop. However, he pointed out that c- consumer confidence is still not the best that uh, more than 50% of Americans are still very concerned about the state of things. And he had two guests on one of whom said that we'd done fairly good during this time of, uh, Of uh, difficulty but there was another guest on and she I think expressed concerns that you've had she seemed to indicate that the new rate increases taking the federal funds rate up to nearly 5% do take some time to be factored in by companies, and she's a little afraid that by possibly the end of the summer or next fall that we could then begin to really feel the effects of slowdown are beginning recession. I wondered if you had any comments on that.
4: John, I'll take the second piece first, and part of my answer is going to come later in the show, but but to take the second piece first, my forecast for a recession in the middle of the year is predicated on the Fed doing exactly what it's doing right now, raising rates. I actually thought it was only 50-50. They would raise the rate in the next, you know, here, but I do think, and this will get get to a little bit later, the inflation data that came in the GDP and the personal consumption reports this week seal the deal. I mean, I don't see how the Fed could not raise rates 25 basis points. To your your earlier point, let me separate two pieces. One, the egg issue is actually a particular supply issue dealing with the illness, you know, with with uh, a disease in the uh, chicken flock in the in the in the supply of chickens and the supply of eggs that's happening right now it has partly to do with transportation but not all of it a lot of it has to do with uh with inflexible with supply being uh, curtailed because because of uh, uh disease diseased uh chickens um the other side of that story is super interesting to me. The the stories about containers. You'll remember John, two years ago we did we, we were doing story after story about about uh, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Um, some of that slowdown that we're seeing or see, seeing in those container rates is because there is difficulty getting. You can get you can get goods and you know with china reopening goods are able to move from china to the united states the problem is getting off getting them off the ships in the harbors on the west coast right now is being hampered by the fact that there's a labor dispute happening in the ports and so the price of the shipping can go down but actually getting the goods from the ship to the grocery store and the department store is getting; it has been difficult for people. I think that's still holding some of those prices up. Um, I happen to be in the middle of a of a of a car purchase, and I'm buying I'm buying a new vehicle. Um, it takes weeks to get the vehicle from the factory here, uh, and, um, and and I have been waiting for the better part of uh, six weeks for the vehicle to. To, to get here, and it's being made here in the U.S., so it's not it's not a port issue. I think there's still difficulty getting getting access to rail and truck here in the U.S. as well. Um, so some of those prices have not come down. Some of them some of them indeed have, but they're coming down for I think in some cases fairly idiosyncratic reasons, and I don't know that I want to put a whole lot of stock in that. To go back to the point I was trying to make, there's no question in my mind that there was a buildup of inventories in the fourth quarter that has been unloaded in the first quarter. Spending was robust in the first quarter still. And if you think about that and you think about what does that mean for the Fed and for its inflation fight, that wasn't good news. It really wasn't good news. All right, I really do need to take a break here. Let me come back in just a moment. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz,
0: 1440.
9: Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? She is. Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said, This is going to be someone very special.
7: Life Across America is non-political and totally educational.
6: This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org.
4: Welcome back, King Bangs Show, the Biz 1440. So, let's, so just to review what we've done in, so far, we've looked at the GDB report what do we see? We see a low top line number that was suppressed by the fact that people were buying things, but they were buying out of inventory, perhaps held over the fourth quarter in the first quarter. So in GDP accounting, um, GDP is supposed to measure, the P is product, right? It's production. So suppose I produce a car and that car comes off the, off the assembly line and into the lot where my finished cars are ready to be sent to the dealerships on December 30th that car okay, it's going to get sold and let's suppose it can get sold in early January a truck comes, takes it immediately off to the, to the dealership someone on the other end is waiting to buy the car GDP will count that as inventory in the fourth quarter, and it will add to GDP then. In the first quarter, the National Income and Product Accounting will be consumption rises because that car is now purchased, but unless that car is replaced, inventory is dropped by that car being taken out of inventory that's what happened a lot of businesses a lot of businesses built up inventory in the fourth quarter got very concerned about about you know talk like john did with us at six five one two eight nine four four seven seven before talking about how the economy is being held back by consumer confidence and so forth businesses are looking at that they're looking at higher costs uh, for for short-term loans for working capital or for inventory for their inventory, and so they're pulling back, and so what's happening is the consumer's still out there buying stuff, but the businesses are cutting the amount of their inventory. Now the question is, will that number rebound in the second quarter? I'm saying no. Well, from what I'm seeing, I think businesses will. I think firms. Are looking at that decrease of inventory? Says, "Well, wow, good. I'm glad that stuff got sold, but I'm not betting that the consumer's still going to roll around and buy a whole lot more over the summer." I indeed i I saw a graph. I I don't know that I posted it or not. I might have just liked it. Maybe I'll will see if I can find it during a break. That's looking at that buildup in savings that happened because of the the three COVID relief bills in 2020 and twenty one. At its peak there was about two point two trillion in extra savings in the economy that was out there. That number on current projection probably has dropped down to being one trillion. That's still a lot. Okay, but we're talking about an economy where where consumption, if I look at let me just see if I can scroll and grab the the the, the level of consumption right now. The level of consumption is about fourteen trillion. Right, so there's one trillion dollars left to support there. There's a little, so there's about a month and a half worth of consumption that could be done just out of out of this extra savings, but it's been ticking down and ticking down, and it's likely that that number is going to going to continue to decrease. Uh, in uh, is going to continue to decrease. That savings number is going to de- continue to decrease, and. and that probably makes the consumer a little more cautious in spending. So that's why I think the GDP report has to be seen as it wasn't as bad as the top line number. But I'm not changing my mind on a midsummer on a midsummer recession. I'm I'm going to hang in there. I've only got a few months left to be right. But I'm actually going to be patient. I'm not going to. I would rather stick with the forecast that I thought was right all along and end up being proven wrong. Later, then take the forecast I took a long time to do. Look at one piece of data that came out of the GDP report and say, "Whoops, I got to change my mind." Okay, I'm a forecaster. I'm not a weather vane. Okay, it's the line I used on Facebook and talking about talking about uh, comments I made on the local local radio station here midweek, uh, talking about this GDP report. I don't, you know, in the forecasting world, you don't want to be a weather vane. Okay? Because anyone can be a weather vane. If you want to be a forecaster, if you actually want to do the job of forecasting, you have to deliver people not just a number, but a story. We're hanging on the story that eventually GDP is going to be reduced by Federal Reserve policy, and that recession is still going to be there. There was a little bit of there's a little bit of weather vane sort of thing mm-hmm. happening with some folks, but not with everybody. Uh, let me play a couple clips just to have you uh, hear here on Bloomberg uh, on Thursday. Uh, Phil Orlando, he's uh, he's a chief uh, investment strategist for Federated Hermes, uh, a private shop, uh, and had this to say. This is cut number six.
10: Uh, our view is that we don't know. We're gonna be data dependent, but right now, uh, the title of my presentation uh, for clients this year has been recession watch for 2023. We're, we're watching the data as as closely as anyone. And again, we've got negative GDP prints in the third and the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, I've seen some economists with negative GDP prints in the first half of next year. So somewhere you know, within those winter months, uh, we're gonna be coming up to that razor's edge of whether or not the economy slides over the edge in a recession.
4: And I think it's sooner, and he's saying, well, I've always been out on the fourth quarter. i I, I question whether that's true. But um, that's sort of the example. that's the that's the example of what I've been hearing over the last over the last two to three weeks. people not getting uncomfortable with their forecasts which was saying second quarter, third quarter. That's what I've been saying for quite some time, second quarter, third quarter. I'm not ready to back off that. I'm just not ready to back off that. Now, if, the, if we get like a 300,000 jobs added in April report on Friday, or if the Fed comes out and says pretty clearly that this rate increase on Wednesday is the last one we'll see for a while, I might have to change my mind then when I add it to these data, that's fine. I'm just not there yet. Okay. And, and if you want to be there, I sure as heck understand you. I'm just saying, I do not, I do not want that. I do not want to take that step based on these data because these data have some, some real weird things happening in it. Let me, let me talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about this. Uh, this was Ira Jersey. He's a reporter for Bloomberg. He was on. He was on uh, the TV side on Bloomberg Surveillance uh, on uh, yesterday, and, and he added this. Cut five.
10: The, the Federal Reserve is probably going to remain cautious. Like, remember, you know, we we talk about all the banking angst and what's going on with First Republic and and you know potential credit tightening later in the year. But at the same time, the Federal Reserve is going to be keenly focused on inflation, and you still have some inflationary dynamics here. Obviously, some of the uh, some of the deflators were a bit higher than were expected. But then you go into things like the wage data, and you still see six plus percent annualized increase in wages and salaries over the last uh, three months. And you say, okay, well, labor saw its pricing power. That means the services sector still hasn't rolled over yet in terms of, of how much b- businesses are going to have to increase prices. So, so I think the Fed is still going to be very cautious as to its, uh, as to how hard it has to fight against inflation.
4: And if that message came through on Wednesday... That there's still too much service sector inflation. That there is still too much wage inflation. Indeed. Let me go. Kind of, uh, no, you know I got to wait on this. Cause that cut's too long to play now. Um, the, um, you know, if they have to do that, I think you get two things. I think you get a stock market that 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 sags during the F, during the uh, FOMC press conference with Powell on Wednesday afternoon. I think you get that, and I think you get all of a sudden higher interest rates coming uh, on a range of things because I don't think the market is accurately priced in what the Fed's timeline is. They still think that you're going to see rate decreases before the end of the year. Okay, this was another report, and the report I'm to, the reports I'm going to talk about next were also reports. That make me even more conf- certain that I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to get the terminal right, the terminal rate right from the Fed. I actually think there's there's a step beyond the one on Wednesday still to come. I, I'm, I'm willing to be I'm willing to be flexible on the timing, but sometime in the summer. But I'm for sure. I'm a hundred percent sure. Right now, I shouldn't say I'm hundred percent. I'm ninety nine percent sure that they will not, barring some much larger calamity in the banking sector, I'm 99% sure they will not drop rates at all in 2023. Back after this. You're listening to The King Banging Show on The Biz, 1440. (laughs)
2: The Biz 1440, KYCR, Golden Valley. You want to feel important?
0: You want to be a part of something bigger? Something that matters and can help change things? You want to feel like you belong? Well, we felt that way too. I'm First Lieutenant Brandon Beatinger from Champlin, Minnesota, and that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Minnesota Army National Guard soldiers. We are people just like you, and together we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com forward slash MN to find out more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard, aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station.
5: Jim and I knew of Robbinsdale Women's Center, but didn't really know them until we toured. We were astonished by the amazing facilities and the genuine love and care the staff showed each woman that walked through the doors.
6: That tour began our partnership with Robbinsdale Women's Center. Cindy and I have witnessed RWC's fiscal stewardship of our financial gifts. Being on the board has allowed me to see the careful discernment and prayerful thought that goes into every decision at Robbinsdale Women's Center.
5: RwC receives no government funding and is debt-free. RwC owns all their assets and is 100% donor-supported. We're amazed at the number of abortion-minded women they serve. Weekly, five women, initially at risk of aborting their pregnancies, instead choose life.
6: Join Cindy and I in supporting Robbinsdale Women's Center. Your gift will bring hope and life.
5: Go to rwcinfo.org
9: and help more mothers choose life.
6: Let's make a difference. rwcinfo.org.
9: We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business, and just overall it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work absolutely we're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling jtr go to jtrroofinginc.com that's jtrroofinginc.com
2: the ramsey show you're also supposed to enjoy money now some of you that overspend out there you spend like you're in congress you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity the ramsey show live every weekday afternoon from one to four sightseeing in ferris at the mall in bloomington or on horseback in dallas we're where you are listen to the biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free odyssey app
4: This song. So Welcome back, King Banion Show. Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Thanks for making us your choice this morning. I hope you have a good cup of uh, hot beverage, coffee, tea, whatever, hot chocolate, whatever is your jam. Uh, and um and uh have some time to spend with us. Um I want to play this this cut. Larry Summers was of course on Wall Street Week. He has a regular segment there. And I admit, you know, I was out where was Gosh, where was I last night? I forget now. But I was some I was I was out somewhere last night and then um oh yeah, I was uh, I I was at a friend's place. Um, part of part of our observation of uh the great sport of of American football is uh a friend and I watched draft day during the uh during the NFL draft. Uh and so we did that last night. It came back, popped up YouTube so I could watch Larry Summers on Wall Street Week. And this was this was the first thing he said. It's longish, but I I'm, I'm going to ask you to be patient and and listen to this. This is about about ninety seconds long. Play cut nine, please.
1: David, I've been pointing to the ECI number because I think the labor market is the key to the inflation process because it only comes quarterly because it's the best of the numbers for measuring wage inflation because it includes benefits and uh, adjusts for changes in the composition of the labor force. And that number was pretty strong. That number's running at about four point eight percent now, both on an annual basis and a quarterly basis there 's not really evidence that it is decelerating. The revision for last quarter was a little bit uh, upwards, and four point eight percent labor cost inflation just does not go with two percent uh, underlying uh, inflation so I think we've got a bit of a stagflationary problem uh, developing where we have a base inflation that's well above target. As I've been saying for the last year and a half, I don't think that's going to get back to target without a meaningful slowdown uh, in the economy. That doesn't mean the Fed's objective should be to induce a slowdown. But if the Fed does what's necessary to uh, contain inflation, I think a slowdown is likely uh, to uh, come along.
4: Right. So uh that and that's that's basically where where I've been. I don't see how you get out, out of this in some way. If I look at the ECI report, which tends to be overlooked by markets, it because again, it's backward looking, it's back looking back at March, but 1.2% over the last 3 months, you annualize that out and that's about a 5% inflation rate in terms of wage inflation. I will I will bet lunch money at a reasonably good restaurant that the ECI number gets cited by Chair Powell. He's talked about it in the past. It is coming on the heels of, it's coming just ahead of, excuse me, the FOMC meeting. It will be probably the last, I just looked at the calendar. Is there any data coming on Monday that might inform them Uh, of what's coming next, and the answer is, oh, purchasing manager's index uh, is coming and uh, construction spending and factory orders will be out on Tuesday. But by the time you get to Wednesday, by the time they get into the meeting on Tuesday, they pretty much have figured out all the numbers they're going to use. And so the last piece of information they'll draw on is, is probably going to include ECI. It's showing no signs of slowing down showing no signs of slowing down and i think this report and i'm going to talk about in the next hour i'm going to have to talk about the personal income report this and consumption report and if you put that on top of it not only i think i think you have to think that there's more than one rate hike to come and i think any thought that a market participant has that um that a rate cut will. I mean, there needs to be. I think one more rate hike beyond this, and another, and a rate cut before the end of 23. I think is fantasy at this point. I cannot. Again, setting aside the possibility that there's some major financial crisis that happens, that that where all bets are off. Okay, I don't think First Republic is going to be that, but I am watching it, and we're watching it. We're watching it fairly carefully, but I don't think that's going to be it. I believe that that you're going to end up with a – where if they actually can wind up first Republican in an orderly way and not see any additional damage to the banking sector come out of it, that gives them permission in June or in July, excuse me, early August, to actually have another rate increase uh, in the summer. And you're, you're not you're just not going to be able to avoid that at all. Wow, I got through all this and I got a whole important uh, uh, piece of government report to still share with you in the next hour. We'll be back after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Let it circulate. Let it down circulate.
2: Wally Langfellow and Eric Nelson from Minnesota Score Radio's 10,000 Takes talking about Minnesota's 10,000 losing teams. Wild Wolves, Gophers, Twins, Vikings, you name it, we'll cover it. Will any team step up and give Minnesota's long-suffering fans something to cheer about? If they do, we'll tell you about it on 10,000 Takes. 10,000 Takes, weeknights at 5, here on The Biz 1440. Twin Cities Business Radio.
7: The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment.
2: Computer
0: service.
7: you and your business are online today more than ever most people are working from home and meeting via internet and that means it structures are overtaxed and wi-fi is humming an outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation rb's computer service is ready and able to help their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance if your business it system experiences a failure give rb's a call Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving
10: your computer.